0: scripture today, um, we have two. And I'm going to start with Amos. And Amos is not a fun book, okay? I'm going to give you the heads up. Amos is going to say some things that's going to leave you going, what? Um, But we're only going to read part of Amos today, and we'll read more next week that will help us feel a lot better about what we read today. Amos is a minor prophet and was sent to uh, bring a word to the northern tribe, Israel, when Israel and Judah had separated and become two different groups of people, and he is bringing word to them that they have passed the point of no return on how they've chosen to build their, their kingdom and that bad things are going to happen. And so that's what we come to in the word today. He writes, this is what the Lord showed me. The Lord was standing by a wall with a plumb line in his hand. Does any, everybody know what a plumb line is? If you don't know, some of you may not. It, it, it's an old school level, all right? We have bubbles in liquid today, but they had a string and a weight and they would place it. And of course, gravity pulls things straight down so you could see the, the structural integrity uh, for the plumb line. And if, you, if your wall looked like this and your plumb line hung down at an angle, you knew your wall was not good. And so the plumb line was helpful, revealed things as they are so that you could then do something about it. So back to this. The Lord said to me, Amos, what do you see? A plumb line, I said. Then the Lord said, See, I am setting a plumb line in the middle of my people Israel. I will never again forgive them. The shrines of Isaac will be made desolate, and the holy places of Israel will be laid waste, and I will rise against the house of Jeroboam with the sword." Then Amaziah, the priest of Bethel, reported to Israel's king Jeroboam, Amos has plotted against you within the house of Israel. The land isn't able to cope with everything that he is saying. Amos has said, Jeroboam will die by the sword, and Israel will be forced out of its land. Amaziah said to Amos, You who see things, go. Run away to the land of Judah, eat your bread there, prophecy there, but never again prophecy at Bethel, for it is the king's holy place and his royal palace. Amos answered Amaziah, I am not a prophet, nor am I a prophet's son, but I am a shepherd and a trimmer of sycamore trees. But the Lord took me from shepherding the flock, and the Lord said to me, go prophecy to my people Israel. Now then hear the Lord's word. You say, don't prophecy against Israel and don't preach against the house of Isaac? Therefore, the Lord proclaims, your wife will become a prostitute in the city and your sons and your daughters will fall by the sword and your land will be measured and divided up. You yourself will die in an unclean land and Israel will surely be taken away from its land. Now we'll turn to Colossians. Colossians. Chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Paul writes, From Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will, and Timothy, our brother, to the holy and faithful brothers and sisters in Christ and Colossae, grace and peace to you from God our Father. We always give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you We've done this since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all God's people. You have this faith and love because of the hope reserved for you in heaven. You previously heard about this hope through the true message, the good news, which has come to you. This message has been bearing fruit and growing among you since the day you heard and truly understood God's grace in the same way that it has been bearing fruit and growing in the whole world you learned it from epiphras who is the fellow slave we love and christ's faithful minister for your sake he informed us of your love in the spirit because of this since the day we heard about you we haven't stopped praying for you and asking for you to be filled with the knowledge of god's will with all wisdom and spiritual understanding We're praying this so that you can live lives that are worthy of the Lord and pleasing to Him in every way. By producing fruit in every good work and growing in the knowledge of God. By being strengthened through His glorious might so that you endure everything and have patience. And by giving thanks with joy to the Father. He made it so you could take part in the inheritance and light granted to God's holy people. He rescued us from the control of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of the son he loves. He set us free through the son and forgave our sins. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together. Lord, I thank you that we have this time, we have this, this day to come and hear from you and I ask that you speak that you speak through me in spite of me, that we hear you and your message in spite of ourselves, that all that is said and heard, that it be pleasing in your sight. Lord, you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Amen. We are doing a four-week series starting today called Living as Disciples. Anyone here a disciple? Few people. Okay, good. Well, the rest of you, you might step into something exciting here. I think you're just tired. You aren't raising your hand. I'm going to trust. This series is going to be rooted in Colossians, a letter Paul wrote from prison, and he's walking this community through the truth that the resurrected life in Christ that Christians live is a reality of transformation that takes, takes part over the rest of your life. Now, he'd never been to the church in Colossae. He'd never been there, he had just heard about it, and he wrote to them. They had heard of him, he had heard of it, and he wrote, because what they were dealing with was struggling to sway off the path, more or less. There were various understandings that Jesus was just one of many gods, and you could follow Jesus and others. And there was another side that said that you gotta follow the law still, and it just kind of stepped away from the grace of the one and only Lord and Savior. And so Paul reminds them that you've been baptized, and that's awesome. But that's just the beginning. It's just the beginning. You're now entered into a life that transforms you. And I want you to focus and hear that word, transforms. They are living as disciples, as students, is another word for disciple, as followers of Jesus. And through the Holy Spirit, the very presence of Christ within this community is transformed by God. And we are part of that eternal community. And we have the presence of Christ within us. It's good news, right? It began for us in baptism, if you've been baptized. We experienced the healing and salvation that the Spirit brings us when we say yes to Jesus. And we symbolize this through the, through the waters. The truth is that from that moment on, we simply began a journey. And it is a journey. And it is a walk. And it is a committed walk that you say yes to every day. Why do we say yes every day? Because we trust Another word for trust is have faith. We trust that this walk, this one walk, leads us into eternal life. Amen? Eternal life that's here and now. Amen? And forevermore. That's why we walk. It's a good walk. We experience the the presence of the Spirit now and in our lives, and it works within us, transforming us, bringing us evermore into that faith, which gives birth to this hope. And it's through our hope that we're able to love and do the things that we're called to do. We walk faithfully, walking, the Paul, the word Paul uses, it refers to our entire way of life, not just Sunday mornings, not just dot, dot, dot. Everywhere we go, at all times, and all that we do, no matter if we're alone or with somebody, we're walking on this path and saying yes, because we believe that it is this path that will truly lead us to life. So what does this truth, that's Paul's lifting up, what does it mean for the church in Colossae? What does this truth mean for us? Great questions, and I'm so glad you asked. Have you ever had, anybody here watch sports, right? Wimbledon and the World Cup's been on, and it's like always on at an odd hour, right? The Women's Championship took place during church last week, couldn't watch it. Have you ever tried to record something that you knew you'd miss and you wanted to watch it later, and then you worked very hard to make sure no one told you what happened so that when you watched it, you actually got to experience the game and all of its emotional ups and downs that drive us crazy and give us smiles. Anybody? Yeah. And inevitably there's that one stinker that tells you what happened. And what does it do? It just kind of ruins the whole experience, right? You don't get the whole emotional stress of it all. It's fun. Uh, There's a movie I want to tell you about. It's called About Time. Has anyone ever heard of the movie, seen the movie About Time? No one did in first service either. Go see this movie. It's fantastic. Uh, It's about a a man on his 21st birthday. His father tells him the family secret, that men in the family can travel back in time. So he can travel back in time, but only to places he's been and, and relive the moment himself. He can change things. He can experience it again, and then he can come back and move forward. And so it's him kind of experiencing this and messing with all sorts of things in his life, uh, et cetera. Now, I'm not going to spoil the movie for you, but near the end of the movie, his father gives him a challenge, and that is to live the day, so today, July 14th, but then tonight, relive it again go through it again the exact same day. And what he learns is the first time he's going through the day, he's stressed and he's worried and things happen at work and things happen in relationships and he, he goes through the emotions of it. But when he goes through the second time, he already knows what's going to happen. And he just starts savoring the moments, even the sticky moments, even the, the worrisome moments. He already knows how they're going to turn out. And he finds a way to savor just being in the moment and enjoying those Now, eventually, and again, not a spoiler, he leaves us with the thought that he no longer travels back and relives the days. He's learned to live each day and each moment just for what it is and have appreciation even amidst the troubling times. It's a great movie. I think it's like PG-13, though, so just throwing that heads up out there. Now, all that to say, hope, hope is the key to our Christian living. Hope is the key hope is our plumb line it reveals the truth of our life's foundations the plumb line itself doesn't change us it reveals it now in our amos reading we heard from the seer amos and he is making some very grim announcements Um, it's not fun to read it's not fun to hear and what he's essentially saying is israel's about to experience punishment from god the plumb line is there they can see if they're off He's not going to forgive them anymore. It's up to them to change course or not. And the rest of the story today is Amaziah saying, leave, we don't want your plumb line, Amos. And so what's going to happen to a foundation that's not set right, Dave? What's going to happen to the whole house if the foundation isn't set correctly? It's going to fall down. It's pretty simple. Yeah. Now the people of Israel didn't want to hear it. They sent him away. The word of Amos was the plumb line. To reveal the truth and they said no. What is their hope in? It's not God. Could it have been in God even despite knowing punishments coming? Sure, sure it can. Now the hope we have is in Jesus. Jesus is our plumb line, that hope. If we are truly disciples, if you want to measure up and see if the plumb line shows your faith to be straight and sturdy, if you if you believe you are committed to follow, if you believe that you are trusting In the walking the way of Christ as the only way all the time in your lives, then our lives will reflect that in our plumb line, which is the hope. If we rely on anything else than our commitments, our efforts, our emotions, and words and ambitions, if we give our commitment to any one person or any one group other than Christ, then we are going to see our our lives proven as not set straight. And what's going to happen to our lives? They're going to fall. It's just how it works. Thinking back to Tim from the movie About Time, the 21-year-old, if he could relive yesterday, he wouldn't experience it the same way we know that. And if you could go back and experience yesterday again, would you do it differently? Not would you change what you did, but would you experience it differently? Well, of course. If you could go back to one of the darkest and most difficult moments in your entire life, that moment maybe you just still can't stop letting it haunt you. If you could go back to that moment and go through that again, knowing all that you know and where you are today, would it change how you experienced that moment if you knew how things were going to be on the other side? I wonder if the disciples could go back and relive those three days between cross and resurrection, if they'd do it differently, if they'd experience it. So I I would like to think that I would live stuff differently. you know, I remember the 2006 Colts beat the Patriots, go to the Super Bowl, it's a great game. I've tr- I've, I bought it, of course, you know, to relive it, and then I watched it, and I'm like, this isn't near as fun, because I already know what's gonna happen. I don't go through it. Um, but I think through something more serious. Lauren was pregnant, um, and from day one, literally, she was on her back and couldn't move, and got extremely dehydrated, uh, experienced extreme morning sickness, what they told it. We were in the hospital, in and out of the hospital. I didn't know if she was going to be okay. I didn't know if the babies were going to be okay. I had no idea, and I was stressed out of my mind all the time going through seminary. I do not want to relive those days again unless I know how it turned out. And everyone's relatively unscathed. So if I could go back and relive that whole time, I wonder if I'd find joy even in the scary moments. Just the joy of Going through what we're going through, knowing how it was going to end up? I think so. I think I could. I know I could. Now, Paul's offering a similar idea to this to the church in Colossae, uh, and he's offering it to you as well. Let me ask you are you worried? Anybody? Are you stressed? Yeah. Are you convinced? That your worry can solve the problem? Think carefully about that. Are you convinced that any person can solve your problem? Are you convinced that any one political party can solve your problem or the problems of the world? Let's be honest. Some days we, we think that, don't we? Are you placing your hope in any place other than Jesus Christ embodied by the community that was chosen the church? Hope changes everything. Has it changed you? Let me let you in on the truth. Jesus Christ has already brought redemption to the world. Any believers? Now, on the cross, he uttered some words. He said it is accomplished, or it is finished, depending on your translation. Something you can't see in the English, that you can see in the Greek, is the way this particular word is, it's, it's a particular type of past tense verb, and what it means is that at the moment the accomplishment took place, it forever is accomplished, never to be undone. Now, sometimes I satisfy my hunger, right, but then I know in six hours, well, three hours, right, I'm going to be hungry again. Jesus did not give us this kind of accomplishment that would be undone, ever. It is accomplished. It is accomplished. Can I get an amen? Amen. He spoke those words before dying, and we know them to be true because he resurrected. He validated everything he said and did when he stepped from that tomb. We know that to be true because we have been brought into a resurrected life. Anybody? Our lives have been transformed already. I know mine has, and I know some of you that have stepped into the waters. Your life's about to be transformed in ways you you couldn't even imagine. I'm a different person than I was 10 years ago. Thank the Lord. I am a completely different person than I was 20 years ago. You all ought to be grateful. I am not done, and neither are you. Do I have it all figured out? Am I going to worry about that? Nope. Nope. Do I agree with everything going on in the world? Am I going to let that dictate my walk? Do I experience heartbreak? Health gives me heartbreak. Loss of loved ones gives me heartbreak. Seeing the church's struggles, knowing of persecution, knowing of the fighting, knowing that people aren't going out and doing the mission because we're so focused on other things, that Breaks my heart, but am I going to submit my hope to that heartbreak? Are you with me? Is your hope in Christ as the plumb line? Jesus Christ will come back and will complete redemption upon this earth. Amen? He will raise us up in these bodies renewed. Amen? All will be made right forevermore. Amen? Is this your hope? Does your day-to-day moment-to-moment life reflect this hope, or does the plumb line reveal that maybe you have a different hope? We're all being transformed. Do not worry. An example of of this reversal of thinking, I want to read. I I got this in my morning devotion just this morning. I thought it was perfect. I love when that happens. This is from Henry Nouwen. Henry Nouwen was a harvard Princeton yada yada professor and very esteemed and stepped away from it all to serve people that had mental and physical disabilities, and they couldn't care less of his credentials, and he found some freedom in that. Um, But he wrote this, and I want you to hear the reversal of this kind of thinking with uh, an altered hope. He says, all Christian action, whether it's visiting the sick, feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, or working for more just and a peaceful society, all Christian action is a manifestation of the human solidarity revealed in us in the house of God. When we reveal our, when we come together in solidarity, Christian action springs forth. He says it's not, it's not an anxious human effort to create a better world, it is a confident expression of the truth that in Christ, death, evil, and destruction have already been overcome. It's not a fearful attempt to restore a broken order. It is a joyful assertion that in Christ, all order has already been restored. It is not a nervous effort to bring divided people together, but a celebration of an already established unity. This action is not activism. An activist wants to heal, restore, redeem, and recreate But those acting within the house of God point through their action to the healing, restoration, redeeming, and recreating presence of God already here. Redemption has already begun through Christ. The outcome is inevitable. We already know how it ends. Now, today may bring moments of worry and stress, and that's okay. And I invite you to get to know those emotions. Let them teach you. But there is there's so much we can learn from these difficult moments. I've learned more from the difficult than I'll ever learn from the easy ones. Can I get an amen? So church, let's put our faith into practice so that as we encounter the moments, we may actually savor and give thanks to God, even, against, even amidst the ones that are just difficult. And if we have trouble saying thanks, it's okay. That's what we're here for, to carry each other's burdens. So here's my simple exercise I invite you into. Are you ready? Read scripture every day this week. I'll make it simpler. Ten minutes. Ten minutes in the morning. You get up. Before you go to work, read for ten minutes. While you're drinking your coffee, scripture makes a wonderful coffee companion. Can I get an amen? Before you turn on the TV, spend ten minutes. Before you open the newspaper, ten minutes. Before you check social media, ten minutes. Then... Pray. Open your Bible. Pray that the Holy Spirit bring to you knowledge of the will of God. And then know that the Holy Spirit is just waiting for you to ask. Then put it into practice. Go to work. Go about your day. Go spend time with family or friends. Go do what you do and bear fruit. Engage everyone, everyone. Engage them in this kind of hope-filled weirdness that they wonder what in the world's going on at church. Do, you, or do what you've learned and heard from the scripture that day. Whatever it is, bring that. Maybe you don't read Amos for 10 minutes. We can laugh at that, yeah. But just watch what fruit emerges when you just put into practice something as simple as the word. Encounter the power of Jesus Christ that flows through that and watch how that power moves you to a greater mercy. It helps you endure suffering. And even promotes the generosity of your spirit. So let us live as disciples of Jesus Christ, ever following, ever walking by the lead of our Savior. And at every step of the way, we walk, friends, giving thanks to God because our hope is found in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen? Amen.